Hi, this is Jamin. You're listening to the Happy Market Research Podcast. The next set of episodes are conversations I had at this year's Corporate Researchers Conference, or CRC. This is put on by the Insights Association in Orlando, Florida. I had quite a few interesting conversations highlighting specific companies that exhibited this year, as well as a couple of speakers, Wells Fargo, IBM, etc. I hope you have a really good rest of your day and enjoy these short episodes. My guest today is Joe GFK is the name of the company. He's been on a podcast already. He's got a little bit of wine left in his cup. We are at CRC, the Insights Association's client side event, and you gave a presentation today. I did. Give us a little bit of highlight. Well, we were talking about trust, the whole issue of consumer trust and how there are so many challenges to that space right now and how we're really in a unique era of trust just eroding very, very quickly and being challenged from so many different quarters. As dark of a journey as it we knew it would be, we thought it was important to lay out what that landscape looks like today and some of the key factors and bring it home with a little more of an optimistic view in terms of some of the things that we extract from those learnings that we think can be good guidelines for folks that are trying to manage brands or create trusting relationships with consumers to kind of rule, rules of the road, if you will, to kind of operate by. So we kind of laid out the challenges and then a little bit of the what you might want to think about doing about it for some recommendations. The audience can't see this because it's one of the slides that was presented today talking about optimism in the space, how I kind of connect it, and I'll include this in the show notes, by the way. Great. But how I really started connecting this is this issue of trust really has to is closely tied, in my opinion, to optimism and how people are feeling about the brands that they're interacting with. So my broader point is that it becomes really important for us as an industry to ensure that we're garnering trust, especially among respondents, right? And that has to do with the, I think again, the ethical context of how research is actually being done. I'm wondering, do you think that there's gonna be changes to, to the way that we do research over the next few years in line with maybe you know more, I don't know what, like either data privacy or um, transparency with sourcing sample? Well, you're probably not gonna like this answer very well, but <laughs> I think you know our presentation today took a very broad view of this whole issue and I would assert that in the grand scheme of all the things coming at consumers and shoppers and respondents, which could all be the same person, of course, depending on their state. But to me, the incident of taking a survey or being interviewed is a pretty small speck on the landscape of all the things that they have to deal with. And so I would expect some, some minor adjustments to be made there, but I'm not, I don't get the feeling that the industry has such a big impact on their total view of trust of the of, of the industry as a whole that it's in that it's due for major overhauls. I think Got we're it. talking about some puts and takes kind of more at the edges of how we do things um, and, and, and not wholesale reinvention. Transition. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's interesting to see like Facebook picking on Facebook because they're obviously under the microscope right now with respect to uh, consumer privacy. Um, and I keep thinking that there's going to be that there's this big opportunity in front of us to somehow connect consumer opinion, stated opinion, and transactional or behavioral data into that same data ecosystem. 
in a cohesive way that makes the analytics part a lot easier, right? Right now it can be, or it's traditionally felt very arduous to try to integrate external data into uh, primary research data. So anyway, that that's. Yeah, well we, I agree. It's been messy, I think historically. I think a lot of, you know, some of the things that were talked about at the conference today in terms of, um, you know, data science and, and AI and, and the computing power that we're now, that is now available to us, uh, would certainly seem to hold the promise to make that whole integration process a lot less messy. I don't think it's going to be elegant tomorrow, but it, I think step one is less messy, and then maybe we can get to elegant in time. And I think, you know, we, we get that. I mean, we've traditionally been, you know, GFK has traditionally been more of a survey-based, you know, we're a classic big global, you know, research house that's relied a lot, like many of our peers, on survey data, and we're trying to get, you know, less reliant on that every year uh, and work in more of the behavioral uh, elements. But but I will say that I, I see a little bit of an overreaction, I think, in the industry uh, uh, against survey work. Uh, there's a little bit of a tendency to throw the baby out with the bathwater totally. in terms of, you know, people always make the point, everything has to be behaved. You know, you got these almost philosophies, right, or, or schools of thought. And the, you know, the behavioralists are all like, don't believe any of that data because, you know, people don't do what they really say and everyone knows that and throw it all out. And we're kind of like, well, not so fast because behavioral is great, but behavioral often stops short of telling you why things are happening. I mean, right. it's great to kind of frame out the what. This is the, the ground level truth about what is happening transactionally many times. But in terms of motivations and attitudes and all the things that go into that stew to get you to the point of that behavior, uh, we think it's vital to understand a lot of those things. And so we're, we're totally not ready to, to throw out, you know, survey work. And I think you have to be choiceful about how you use survey work, right? So we won't, for example, we don't usually ask questions about, you know, if you bought this category in the last three months, you know, how much did you spend on your basket? Right. Like, that's a terrible way to use survey data, right? Because no one's going to remember that. That's right. Or what, you know, four websites did you go to last week when you were, you know, shopping for a smartphone? Bad. But things like, you know, we talked about today in our presentation a little bit, you know, values, you know, how do you feel about this value? Do you, is it important to you that someone acts in a way that's, you know, responsible with the environment? You know, do you, are you, how do you feel about shopping? Are you excited about it? Or is it a, is it a chore to you? I mean, there's many things that are much, you know, A, much more kind of lasting and uh, salient to a respondent um, and much less prone to error that we think uh, survey work is very well suited to measure. So let's use it there and not use it some other places where it's more uh, dangerous. Okay, last question on this subject. I, I could talk about this for a long time. I think it's super relevant, like what you're, where you're going with it. And I think it's exactly on point, by the way. The um, utilization of open-ended data or videos, where, how are you seeing that over the next couple of years? Uh, we're using it more and more. Um, it, um, it's got, it's great for uh, for texture and flavor and richness, if you will, of the findings. So that's one reason we use it. And it, and also technologically, what I just talked about in terms of you know integration of behavioral and survey data, there's also a forefront, obviously, in terms of this open-ended data uh, classifying and reading it. And that's all becoming much more automated too. So that's much less labor intensive as well. So yes, we do it to enhance our insights, but one of the places we actually use it a lot is in the socialization of the, of the study and of the findings. 
So our stakeholders are typically the insights folks at, at various uh, companies. We do all the work, a lot of work in consumer For every goods. company, but yeah. And, and other industries, <laughs> tech and other places. Yeah. And you know, our stakeholders at the end of a, of a project have their own uh, support network to within the company to socialize the uh, findings among. And you know, the higher up you go up the corporate ladder, the less people want to read, ironically. And uh, you know, they'd rather watch videos. And the videos have a lot of utility in encapsulating a lot of the findings that um, could be done in a sort of more sterile PowerPoint presentation. But our folks really like the extra top spin that they get of being able to make the point with some of the data, but then put a nice bow on it with you know a video that kind of reinforces it. See, I think you're right. It's about humanizing the intangible in a way that creates repeatability. Yeah, but it is about the humanization of that abstract data, which right. is quant, because nobody thinks in numbers. Like some people do, but most don't. And then it creates this like repeatable story inside of the organization. Yeah, it's humanization and putting a face on it, and absolutely, yeah. that's right. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Last question. Yeah. Um, you sold a business to GFK. I did. Tell me a little bit about the business. Yeah, the business was called Cult Interscope, and it was started by me and about five other colleagues that had spun out of another shop that we had all worked at called Meridian. Meridian was a place I went uh, in about the year 2000, and they were more of a uh, category management, a little bit of shopper um, organization. That's kind of during the go-go days of category management, as you may recall. And so um, it was kind of a great place for me to get into consulting. I had been in brand for uh, a few years before that on the marketing side. And we liked the kind of work that we were doing. We didn't like the company that much, so we spun out and really took it in Interscope was a, we called it kind of a shopper marketing consultancy. We yep. did, we held on to some of that same uh, category management capability, um, but morphed the business more towards uh, kind of shopper marketing strategy and consulting, a lot of go-to-market stuff, um, some retail reinvention stuff. So we had kind of an interesting mix of, um, of things all kind of related and revolving around the shopper. And um, GFK had a very well-established business in North America around a lot of consumer insights and consumer activation, but was candidly pretty weak in the shopper space. And so they wanted to uh, muscle up in shopper and we were kind of at the time an up and coming agency and conversations were had and they came calling and we weren't even really looking to sell the company at the time. We had been around for about five years, grown Interscope into a nice viable um, shopper company and uh, but you know we decided we'd be an even better proposition if we could add all the rich um, the research context. capabilities yeah, that I mean, a GFK like, part. I mean it was like I was like a kid in a candy store yeah, like for sure I was doing you know I was having to beg borrow and steal you know research <laughs> insights before in a very and entrepreneurial a environment like, yeah. in Interscope and now it's like oh my god we do facial recognition yeah. we do we do survey work we do so it was it's been a really nice um you know, evolution to uh, really now a pretty full service. We we managed to hang on to a lot of the, a lot of the consulting and a lot of the smart business thinking that we brought to our clients in uh, in the Interscope model. But now really flesh it out with an ability to go out and get some really rich insights to work with. And with of course, I'm familiar with Interscope uh, back in the day. So anyway, Joe, it is an honor having you on the podcast. I think we should do an extended episode at another time. Sure. It's <laughs> been fun. Thanks for having me in. <laughs> time for drink too. All right. Sounds <laughs> good. 